Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast, where we share stories about those who have fought to overcome addiction. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the latest stories, tools, and tricks to sobriety. Now, here's your host, Brock Bevel. Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast. I'm here with Jen and Tom Satterley. Man, I cannot tell you how, how thankful I am. I know that's how I started this conversation with you guys, but I feel blessed. I feel honored to be in the room with you guys. Just some of the experiences and strength and hope that you're going to share with my group. And hopefully we can get it out there. I know we're on a similar mission, and that is to, to give hope to people that are that have gotten their ass kicked for a long time. So, Jen, if you don't mind, I just want to give a, a quick bio of you just so people know who we're talking. But I had no idea that you were like a rock star film photographer. Like, that's, that's really kind of cool. And that's how you two met, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> and so you were actually doing filming photography for the military yeah, I worked in film and photography for about 12 years, um, and I was doing commercial work. So, you know, everything from Miller Brewing Company to sports brands and um, fashion, even I was doing a lot of right before. So talk about like swinging the pendulum to the other side of the world. I ended up getting contracted to work in special operations. And really, it came about in a weird way. I, I was there shooting a commercial. And then I said, can I go on one of these realistic military training exercises that you guys keep talking about? Because these guys were all filming the commercials, but they were also at the same time doing an RMT. So it was there. You're reaching over to your husband. Who is this guy? Like when you say this guy or this these guy. men, what do you what are we <laughs> saying here? Because Tom is yeah. kind of a rock star in the in the military community. He is. Now he's going to blush or get mad at me. For now I'm red. Now I'm red but again. Hey, starting this to Spent about, oh, I don't know, 20 years in Delta Force. Just a little stint in special operations. 20, about 25 in the military. Yep. 23 in special operations. 20 in the unit. And they made a little movie, Black Hawk Down. I don't know. About them. Things like that. <laughs> Captured world leaders. Saved hostages. So, you know, just an average kind of guy. That's doing not... average kind of things. I but... just signed up for four years to get some college money. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't. I literally don't know what happened. I'm going to tell you that that's not true because right here, I have your book. I, I was telling you, man, I'm already on page 115. That's not how the story goes. That's not why you joined the military. So I'm going to I'm gonna tell everybody to go get this book, man. I've been like sharing it at the gym this morning. I'm like, guys, you need to go get this book. I'm not going to give it to you because Tom signed my book. So I'm kind of uh, a little, I'm going to keep it. But uh, honestly, man, your story. Uh, so, so Jen, I'm going to get back to you and then we're going to get into it. Awesome. So Jen, award-winning filmmaker, not just like your average run-of-the-mill filmmaker. Last three yeah. years has directed a film and photography for elite special forces and operation training. So embedded with the Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and Army Rangers in realistic training. So what does that mean? What is a realistic training? Yeah, I had never heard of it either. And, and actually, when I first got there, I was like, this is really cool. And then by the time my stint was done, everything hurt. So I get where these guys <laughs> are coming from to a degree, small degree. But I would go along. So let's just say um, probably 80% of the work, maybe a little bit more was with Navy SEALs. And from the time they would land until the time they left, I had a camera on them. So basically, this was to get all the footage from them setting up to planning the exercise or the mission all the way to executing the mission. So um, I got a really great insider look into special operations during that time. And it was a blessing. It was eye-opening. It was shocking. I met some of my best friends in that world. I met my husband in that world. But yeah, it was completely different 
than where I'd spent my previous 38 years, which was on the other side of the civilian fence. So, Every, yeah. Everything in those exercises are designed to be completely real, other than the bullets yep. aren't real they hurt um, those, most though. of the time, and, and the locations, America. So you can actually be safe and trained. People are like, why don't you do that overseas so we don't get scared? It's like, oh, you want me to go to the combat zone and practice? It doesn't work that way. So, you know, L.A., Miami, cities like that, land uh, your helicopters on top of the huge skyscrapers and jump out. And she was thrust into all that to film it on her idea for an after action report. So all you guys want to know what you're doing right or wrong. Let's film it all, and then you can watch it. Man, how awesome was that? That's like, so do you, are you hanging off the skips of the helicopter? Are you all bungee in? You hooked in no, and all that? I, I did do a few helicopter oh. rides, but I was not hanging out of anything. In fact, one of the owners wanted me to become a, a jump master, and he's like, that way you can get up there and you can fast rope with them. I'm like, I have a $30,000 camera on my shoulder. What do you mean fast rope with them? Like, well, you're, and, and film it. She's like, already indoctrinated to be worried about her equipment versus her own body. <laughs> right, right. That's indoctrination. I was going to say, wait a minute, you're worried about your gear I instead was. of breaking your legs. <laughs> well, that was kind of for you too, though, right? You had to make sure your gun was in, in, in operating order. Take care of that first. Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting to hear it come out of her mouth just now. I was worried about my camera. I'm like, all right. Amazing. But but I know, Jen, that you talk about some of the things that you started seeing that kind of raised some some red flags while you were in there. Okay, yeah. Would you mind talking about some of it? Yeah, When you absolutely. talk about these guys. These guys, they're amazing. I love these guys. But, you know, when you when you go into that soup, you're like, this is a whole bag of crazy in here. And it's just, I didn't even know how to sort it out. But some of the flags I saw were just this sense of, like, really, really reckless behavior. Things that I'm like, wow, I don't see this so much on the outside. Um, of course, you see, you know, drinking, drugs, affairs. I mean, that's not just for the military folk. <laughs> but <laughs> at the rate it was happening, at the level that it was sort of accepted and talked about as a cultural norm, that part to me was like, wow, it's not just one or two guys that I'm seeing like this. It's kind of all of them. And not that all of them had issues with alcohol or all of them were having affairs. It's just that that toxic culture just seeped into everything they did. And it was very apparent to me. And I knew as I started to learn and, and talk to them that these were the very issues they were coming back to me saying, I need to get help. Like I'm not loving the quality of my life. And it was those same things that are widely accepted and actually kind of encouraged in the culture that were tanking them. So that became a pretty big red flag. Which is crazy because guys like us, right? I mean, I'm a police officer, but but even even seeing you at your level, we're like, that's what he signed up for. That was an expectation, right? We want these crazy guys. We yeah. want these guys to protect us. I mean, we're just half crazy. And I know that you put down in, in one of your information that you started seeing like isolation, anxiety, severe depression, anger issues, and medical chance. But doesn't that come with the job? Yes. I mean, you're seeing this stuff over over so so, and what we're seeing now, it's trickling down in in law enforcement and firefighters. We just had a guy, a, a law enforcement jump off a bridge last week. So it's not just in the trauma, but but we're talking. This was on basically on crack, right? Yeah. It was just blown up out of control. So so when you're hearing this, what was a deciding factor? Like, how do you get involved? I felt like I couldn't look the other way. 
you know, like for me, spending a couple of years working alongside special operations and some of the most amazing humans I've ever met, also seeing them suffer. And really, truly, I kept asking people like, who's helping? Who's helping? Who's helping? And, and where can I get help? for my husband and, and for some of these other guys who were asking for help. And Google really wasn't showing me a whole lot. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, click, click, click. There's got to be something on this. And so getting involved was just because I, I how could I not? Once I, I learned and I saw what I saw, it was just, we've got to do something to help um, our men and women come home. To be honest, I think what, what I noticed looking back, what she was doing was curiosity. Um, based on who she was, she was curious as to the why and not judgmental, just curious. And then she's a, she's a good-looking female. All those special ops guys, let me go stand over by the good-looking female, right? Just, <laughs> yeah, just, right? just stand over here with my big chest. And then they started talking. So she's a lighthouse. She's a magnet. And she's she attracted the moths who then opened up. And that's when she started to learn how to get them to open up. It was kind of like a chance meeting, if you will, that she started to learn how to get us to open up. I say them, how to get us to open up and start to talk. And so I, I didn't know, I didn't even meet, I didn't even pay attention to her the first day or two we met. Somebody's like, did you see that good looking girl on the, on the set? And I'm like, who? What? And I started Googling, looking her up on LinkedIn. I'm like, whoa, I missed that one. You know, I wasn't in a good space when we met her. And so I went back and I was in a better space and looked her up and saw her on LinkedIn. I thought, wow. And then when she joined the RMTs rather forcefully, really, it was magical to watch her connect with people and crack open these hard pipes hitters and then she turned it on me at one point but i mean it was that curiosity and the fact that she's pretty that started it all that the guys opened up on target you know tom what you're telling me is i gotta have a pretty female to help get these guys to open up is that what you're saying anything else is scary it's not gonna work that's well thank you for being as beautiful as you are to help these men out that was important oh. Boy. I could have walked around in a bikini and it wouldn't have worked. They would have never talked to me. I, I want to see that. Just <laughs> put you in a Speedo. Next so, where, so where did you start? Like, how did, I mean, other than you started this conversation, this dialogue, and then you realize you're starting to help. Now what? I quit the RMT job business. And I, um, at that point, I was really enthralled in starting a nonprofit and I wanted to go and do this work. And so I spent about a year researching because, you know, Tom and I, he, I'm like, hey, I want to do a nonprofit. Let's do this. And he's like, hey, we don't know what we're doing. About <laughs> were you still working, Tom? Were you still in the military this time? Okay. Yeah, I was in training and, uh, you know, yeah, range still, shooting and RMTs. Still leaving and... a lot. Honestly, still leaving a lot. You know, his son had come to move with us with 17. I think three days after he arrived in St. Louis, he was gone for 28 days. So he was still constantly in that special operations rotation and world. It was just, you know, when we met, I was going with him, you know, and, and I was spending this time with him. And then it became to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to settle with the family. I'm going to start this nonprofit. And um, I think about a year after that, Tom was able to finally join full time because we are busy people. You know, it's there's no shortage of people who need help. And I think still people are most comfortable going to an anonymous person. And I think largely for me, I'm not a spouse. I'm not anyone in the group or in the soup. I'm not in the tribe. So therefore, I'm an outsider. And I think there's a comfort in that. You know, I, I was anonymous to a lot of these guys where they might see me for 20 days on on a rotation and kind of maybe talk to some of them. So they're familiar with me. And that was able to kind of get to that point where they would open up and start sharing some things about what's going on in their life. And then I would get spouses saying, well, this is so frustrating because, you know, he talked to you and he opened up to you. But I don't carry the weight of 
a marriage. I don't carry the weight of a consequence of, am I going to get in trouble at work or how are my friends going to judge me? You know, I got to stay anonymous with these guys and, and kind of out of the system, which is what we do. And I think why we're so busy, it's a phone call. You know, that first step can just be as easy as being anonymous, still being behind the line. So and you're culturally competent, right? That's that's a really important element where you've seen it, you've been there, you've smelt it, you understand the stress level, you can communicate. Now, I'm so thankful that you brought this up because in my work as well, I work with, I try to work with the wives because it's so important. I, I feel like they're an angle that we miss constantly working or not the, not so much the wife. How about the spouses? They're a part that's missed as, as we're constantly trying to work with the first responders, the military, but they'll go until the wheels fall off, Right. They won't say, yes. hey, I got a problem. They're going to keep going until death do us part. That's what I'm seeing. And then the wives and the spouses are stuck with putting these pieces back together. And I don't know if it's with you the same way, but when they come to me, they've been arrested. They've been charged with the crime. They're losing their job. Now they're at rock bottom and they're like, okay, now I need to change. Well, why didn't we do this like six months ago? Why are we missing that? You know how often I, we scream that? It's like, why wait till something's broken to take care of it? Why wait till the relationship's tanking? Then it's like a last resort of, yeah. okay, now I'll go to keep you. When it's And it's a train wreck when you could have just done a little bit of maintenance early on versus full on now, you know, your spouse might even resent you. And now it's a lot of work, you know? All right, Tom, let's back up. Let me ask you, did you notice it? When you were in the mix of it, were you able to step back and say, not, I don't want to say I got a problem, but damn, my life is out of order, right? Were you able to do that? No, I would argue with you. I would tell you why I'm right. I would tell you the exact reasons of why I'm okay and why it's important to be the way I am and what's wrong with you, by the way. I would, I would go down that list of it's not me. It's you and you're the reason this planet's falling apart because I'm the one keeping it together. That sounds I mean, about right. Right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's honesty. That's, that's the emotion of someone who's been put on top of the world and given ultimate power to make life and death decisions in an instant for 20 years around the world. And then you come home, you're like, all right, see ya. You're like, all right, everybody, let me tell you how the world is since you don't know anything. <laughs> and um, it's a good lesson to learn. It's a real good lesson for me to learn that uh, I didn't know shit. I, I was struggling and at the bottom. And that's where I spend all of my time now trying to get people to realize it before. You know, I picked out the, I pulled out a jackhammer. I hit rock bottom. I went, I'll tell you where the rock bottom is. And I kept going deeper you and deeper. You keep going. And Jen's like, hey, man, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that's, that's enough down there. So if, if we don't have a pretty face like Jen, can't get oh, to bend the ears of these guys. So, how, I mean, how do we go about it? Like, where do we start, right? Because you even said you've been there. You've been in battle. And you're trying to tell these guys, hey, stop. Listen, you're out of control. I see these red flags and they still don't listen. What's our standing point? Where do we start? You got to grab the attention, right? They have to want to listen to you. So I was never going to do it. And Jen's like, look, you're in Delta. Anybody underneath you that looks up to you will do what you yeah. do. They'll, they'll think that's great. And I thought, well, our equipment works that way. We, we get the latest, greatest equipment. When we're done with something prettier out there, well, here you go, guys. We'll hand it on down. And they'll get in like, oh, this is great. So we start with whatever and then pass it on down. I thought we jumped out on the dance floor first through our dirty laundry out there. Here's how screwed up I am. Just read my book. It's all about commando stuff. You're about, no, it's not. It's about how screwed up Tom is. Um, read Jen's book. It's about how screwed up Tom is. And oh, by the way, here's the tools. <laughs> There's a theme. There's a theme. There's a yeah. theme there. Here's yeah. the tools that I've used on him and, and hundreds and thousands of others. And by the way, they work. 
So wake up, you know, wake up. We just share the the stories of, of our life, you know, hey, and the stories that Unite us all in the military opened up those PMCS manuals, you know, preventive maintenance checks and services. There's all this little cartoon guys, you know, save the planet, aren't soldiers. And by the way, take care of your vehicle and take care of your weapon. And here's this and that. And don't let it break. And it's like, why don't you let it break? It's cheaper to maintain than it is to fix. You're always ready instead of waiting to fix something to use it again. So maintain it. And that's the same with the relationships. It's the same with yourself. It's, the, you know, with your own body. Man, whatever it takes to get help, whatever that is, it's so different for every person too. And that's, I wish I had that, like, maybe you have it, that nut, because you've worked in this too, that nugget of like, every time if you do this, the person who needs help is going to get it. I just haven't found what that is because we're also different but i do think stories unite us being yeah. able to share your vulnerability first like i'm feeling this i've yeah. been going through this usually that opens the gates for somebody else to share what they're going through too i just want i mean i want my listeners to understand who i'm talking to here what's funny is jen just said it how screwed up tom is right in two books so it's interesting <laughs> it took two so you're a highly decorated combat veteran 25 years in the army most elite tier one unit, okay? A Delta Force, you've been involved in and led some of the nation's most important military campaigns all over the world. I mean, I'm going to tell people, go to the book, All Secure, man. It's it's super interesting. But if you want to learn about really how screwed up Tom is, it's in there. In Somalia, Black Hawk Down, including the capture of Saddam Hussein as well. Uh, participate in numerous, or you received numerous medals, including five bronze stars, two valorous acts was the first American to uh, attend the German Ranger School and competed against hundreds of soldiers to win this singular honor. So when I'm reading this, Tom, you're not screwed up. You're every man's dream, bro. That's what screws you up. <laughs> I, but I'm reading this and I'm like, for my man to get to this point, to complete these schools, to, to become a tier one operator, you're not screwed up, right? But somewhere along the way, the soup sandwich happens, right? Where everything just starts falling apart. Where do you think maybe that starting point for you was? The starting point of falling apart? Yeah. I think Somalia in 1993, when I, I remember ha vividly having that feeling of, I'm going to die, right? Vividly having that feeling and now the emotion of, well, that's it. I'm, I'm having it right now. And I hadn't had that in a while. Um, You know, that moment of this is it. So let's do it, man. You know, I made my peace with the planet and I, and I became a vicious human. <laughs> I became a, a person I wasn't. And that stayed with me until I decided to put in the work to change back to who I am. I lost empathy. I lost compassion for all humanity. If you have a problem, get yourself out of it because no one else can help you. And those are true statements. However, delivered in the way that I delivered, I'm like, F you, get your shit together. I have to. You know, I'm, I'm over here saving the planet and I got three ex-wives to prove it, you know, because I'm focusing right here. So you do the same and quit whining. And I, uh, man, what a wonderful, shitty life to live. It was, um, I used to say I'd do it all over again, you know, and I, some, some college kid asked me the other day, um, in a series of questions of like, looking back, given everything, you know, now, would you do it again? And I said, for the first time in my life, I've thought about this question and I would have to say, no, nope. I wouldn't do it again because to say I would do it again means I'm only thinking of the good stuff and there's a lot of good stuff. And I, and I, I did a lot of good things, but it really took its toll and I lost a lot along the way. You know, and then here I'm going to the battle now. Somebody's got to do it. Who, who's who's going to step up? If not me, then who? So I'm the warrior again. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, let me go. But I'm, I'm just a guy that wants to get what's right done. I mean, I don't know. And if it sucks, it sucks. So what? I'll do it. And that screws you up. 
And if you don't put the effort into fixing it or fixing yourself, you'll remain screwed up. Just like the guy from the Battle of the Bulge I spoke to, the guys from Vietnam I talked to, who finally get help. Up until the day you decide to get help, that's how long you'll suffer. You control it. I can't say it any plainer than that. And I don't care how tough and cool you are. You're not any tougher and cooler than anybody else on the planet who also gets affected by this. So you can put it off forever and suffer. You can go get help now. And whether you need it or not, it doesn't hurt you to go figure it out. So, Jen, you're listening to this. You're like, man, this guy's come a long way. So, so Jen, you made something really important. You said that uh, you implement some tools. Like, Tom has to use some tools. And for, I guess I want to talk to my audience, your audience, who were first responders, military, these men who are, you know, A-type personality individuals. And so, what are some tools that you can you can throw out there to us that we can grasp on and use? Oh, I love taking a pause. And it sounds so simple. The number one that thing that we most often hear from both law enforcement, first responders in the military group is, why am I so angry? When there's a cup in the sink, do I freak out? Or when the kids leave a toy in the yard, do I freak out? And even I can hear myself yelling, the voice inside's going, <laughs> listen, you stupid idiot, shut up, shut up, shut up, stop. And it's a dialogue, you know, that Tom had talked about before. Listen, when I get mad or I say mean things, sometimes I'm saying it. And as I'm saying it in my head, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Come um, back. <laughs> just with the simple, like being aware of that, it's huge. Like, okay, I am feeling anxious. I'm feeling angry right now. There is going to be a trigger that might happen in my environment. I need to take a pause and figure out how to get back to a good place right now before I interact with my family or before I interact with somebody at work or somebody on the streets or, or anywhere else is taking a pause. You could go do it in your car. You could go to the bathroom and do it. I told my son today, he has these big tests. I said, do your breathing thing. Just go to the bathroom. Cause you know, he's like six, four and big football player guy too. He doesn't want to do his mom's meditation breathing, you know, at, in high school. But I'm like, go to the pisser and do your breathing thing. Because when we take a pause and we could stop that action before it happens, or we can just get control of ourselves to say, oh my gosh, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling a lot of rage build up. Tom sa has said it to me before too in the car. He's like feeling really angry right now or agitated. I don't know why. And I'm like, is it something I did? Or No, 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 it's not you. And most often it's not the other person. This is stemming from something inside. So becoming aware of it, taking that pause, figuring out what you need to do to get back to right before you proceed is a huge first step. And it's a simple tool, but like so incredibly effective. Self-awareness is, is, is really number one for me. And with all my arguments in the past, I would tell warriors who are not hurting right now and don't have PTS and don't need help that if you're such a warrior, why can't you control yourself? If you're so all over it, why can't you perform the way you want? Because I know when that shame cycle starts, that don't tell me what to do. You need to clean the kitchen because, or, or you go down that path where your brain is ingrained. You don't realize it's training. It's the muscle memory over and over and over again. It's what you've seen. The biology of there's chaos, there's a threat, get on top of it, dominate, yell at it, and then sort it out. You know, the family doesn't need that. And if you're such a great, powerful, strong warrior, then you know that that's not needed right here, right? So you can separate that. What they don't realize is, no, no, no. This is the most dominant thing in my life right now. This is what I train at all day long. I only come home to visit. I go back to work. I'm all day long, muscle memory, repetitive, shooting, this and that. Whatever my job is, whatever your job is, whatever anyone's job is. This isn't reserved for veterans, first responders, CEOs of organizations, billions of dollars. That's some stress, man. They got to go home and their wife just wants them to be or their spouse just wants them to be married and at home and hang out with the kids and they're focused at work still. So when you dedicate that much time to being that good, you have to be mm -hmm. self-aware of what you're doing at home and that it will take its toll. 
you're not dedicating time over here to your family. So it's going to suffer. It's just obvious when you stop and think about it. And warriors, law enforcement, you know, they're like, well, my job's not like yours. I didn't do the things you did. I'm like, oh, you didn't? Really? You do it every day. You go to Walmart, you don't know if someone's going to shoot at you or you arrested them and you're with your family. They're going to come up to you and have a talk about it. It's very dangerous to live in the combat zone you fight in. That's very stressful for law enforcement officers. We get to come home and yeah. it's very stressful, but I'm at home and I'm looking for you for security. Of course, I'm looking <laughs> to help you guys too. I see cops. I'm like, what's going on? I love to take out bad guys and help cops, oh, you know, gosh. or help whoever's, you know, yeah. if I saw two guys fighting on the street, I would determine, you know, probably who's losing I'd help because that's just, you know, that could be the wrong thing to do, but we're all selfless. We serve others in places where they hate us and we still go and help them, even though they don't know we're helping them and they hate us. That takes its toll on first responders and, and veterans and military personnel. Jen, I was just thinking about your job as a photographer, okay? And tie it into what Tom does. Wouldn't it be neat if all of us had a full-time photographer and a videographer that goes to work with us, right? That comes home and that you can sit down and have a chalk talk. Think about yeah. this. How many times do we do a self-evaluation on who we are? We never do. I mean, football players, they, they play a game Monday yep. morning. They come up and there's the film. They get to watch yep. it. Oh, you sucked here. You did really good here. You dropped the pass here. You took a wrong step here. But like Tom was saying, that would be really, that would be a cool evaluation in my home to yep. say, hey, what about right. when you're supposed to be the dad, right? And you're not showing up. And so having that, having that, that self-awareness, man, is huge. So Tom, I want to, I've read some of your bio and I read some of the stuff and I read how in control your life was, how did it come to a point to where you hit such a low and depressing, what had changed in your life to where that kind of took over? The illusion of control. I thought my life was together. You know, when I retired after 25 years, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a job. I got out. Two days later, somebody said, hey, I'm in Jordan working. Do you want a job? And I'm on Jordan working on a facility. I went, yep. Uh, 10 days later, I'd packed up and moved to Mon Jordan. And I came home every four months for about 15 days, maybe. And I did that for a year and a half. And so I thought money would make it better. You know, at least I'm making a lot of money now. Got worse. Everything got worse. All that money just allowed me to party more on my own in Jordan. And um, things tanked and, and got a little worse. And then when that job dried up and I came home, I sat in bed and slept all day, watched TV all night, waiting for a contract job to pop up, which is when I met Jen and I was at my lowest of self-worth. I'll never have that job again, which I never will. Uh, I'll never be that important again, which is uh, something I told myself. Or that job, I'll never have a job that means as much, you know, which I'm sorely mistaken at the time. So it's living in the rearview mirror, wishing I had that thing that was the pinnacle of my life. And I didn't realize that I had given up thinking, well, that's it for me, right? I'm retired. So the word retirement means death, I guess. I should have meant next phase of my life instead of retirement because that gave me the permission to sit down on my butt and do nothing, which not what I was built to do. It was nothing and it took a while to get good at it. Even now when I lay around and I do that a little bit, uh, well, I do that a lot thinking, well, I got nothing to do right now, do I? And I, you know, and I'm sitting working on my bed, working on the phone, working on a computer. If I'm not moving and I'm not contributing, I feel worthless and that compounds and I feel worse. And then I, and then I take it out on her because she's working and I'm like, what are you doing? You should be doing what I'm doing, which is nothing. So I'll feel better about doing nothing. It, it's horrible. And we do it to ourselves. You know, I tell the kids now, it's like, listen, there's no stress except self-induced stress. Chill out. You know, you're the only one creating it. I'm like, am I telling myself that right now? Because I'm starting to freak out about the kids. You know, I'm like, listen, listen, you're stressing. Is stressing me out because it's contagious. So you got to be conscious and self-aware of when to stop your emotions, 
when to catch that that anger, you know, and it's pushing up. And and then when it comes to the children, I have a 20, was he 22 year old now who I, I don't see. I haven't seen him in three years. Maybe we text infrequently. I'll text him. Happy thing. You know, happy Thanksgiving a week later. Hey, dad, how you doing? Thanks. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. I deserve that. I'm there for him. I'm waiting one day, maybe. But if you don't spend time with your children, and their small problems, because I know with veterans, you know, special ops, maybe all military people do it, or maybe all parents do it. You know, those problems are so small. Those are stupid. Don't worry. You don't even worry about middle school, you know, trying to share my opinion of what middle school was now that I'm out of it. So if those little problems to me that are big to them, I keep putting them down, then they won't come to me with any problem, right? So get down, play with your kids, listen to them. And I say that because we get so many conversations with people who don't have relationships with their children and their spouse, and they have to get to work and rebuild it. And it's tough once you've lost it. So you two are on a mission. So Jen, I want, I want to talk, I want you to talk about your foundation. I want you to talk about your 501c3. I'm super excited to hear about this. I know that you and Tom are involved in this. You guys are promoting it. You're working with men and women on PTS. And yes. can you can you share us a little bit? I'm glad you said PTS. They made me put the D in my book. I know. And it was so, it's like right on the cover, PTSD. And I'm like, I, I really want to say PTS. We use it. And I got the, it's not the medical, clinical, correct term. So, you know, we need to do that. But I'm glad you said PTS. I, we use that as well. Or we use occupational stress injury. Language is important and how we use that is important. So All Secure Foundation, what we do is we... Um, assist special operation combat warriors and their families heal from war trauma. I say that, but we have helped many, many people. We do a lot with traditional forces as well as law enforcement. So for anybody who's listening, who's like, hey, I want to reach out. I'm not special operations or I'm not in that community. Please don't let that make you pause. Go ahead, hit the contact button. It's going to come straight to me. Um, I read every single thing that comes in personally so that if you've got a confidential message or this is your first reach out for help, we understand that that's a big, big, big deal. Um, We want to honor that space. So from there, we offer coaching. We offer therapy. uh, We have retreat workshops. And we are getting ready to build a brick and mortar out at Fort Bragg, a counseling center with evening hours, weekend hours, all those off kind of hours. We're, we're trying to remove those excuses. Um, we're trying to do the best we can to get people the help they need so they can live a life that they deserve, they've earned, they've sacrificed for. Um, and that means the spouses as well. Beautiful. Talk to me if you don't mind from a spouse's angle, because I, I just want them to hear from another spouse. You know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking and I'm screaming it like you guys are. Come on, you need help. You're the first line of defense. Your husband or your spouse needs you. But I want to hear it from you, from somebody else on how to get involved. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's a difficult question because one of the things I did was an early survey. So I started talking to tons and tons and tons of combat warriors and started asking what area in your life do you feel you need the most help? Because with PTS, you can approach it in so many different ways. And everyone said, I need help with my relationship. I need help at home. When I started talking to spouses, it was very interesting because the reaction wasn't, I need help with him. It was, I need help with myself. Something's wrong. Something's broken in me because Mm. the house is so disrupted. That has broken my heart more than anything else is this Um, weight of responsibility for somebody else's behavior. Um, But when you're in the thick of it and you're in the soup and you're with someone who is suffering, you're going to probably get effects of it. Secondary PTS could be something that you might be experiencing. You don't even know. Most military and law enforcement spouses have never heard of it. So I would say, you know, 
you have to come together. It has to be an us fighting the problem instead of you versus me. It really, it for a long time, it was Tom's over here and Jen's over here and what Tom needs, what Jen needs, what Tom needs, what Jen needs. And as soon as we said, what do we need? What's the us? And we have to fight for us against the problem again, instead of Tom against the problem or Jen against the problem. When you can take us and fight PTS, that's when you're going to have success. I went to every appointment with him. I did everything I could to get him right. And then when I needed to raise my hand and say, hey, I need some help. I need some time. I'm fighting depression right now, or I'm fighting some of these secondary PTS symptoms. This is what I need from you. And I could get really specific the more I learned on what I needed from Tom to support me in my healing. That's when we really started cracking open both of our healing in major, major ways was open communication. We have a fantastic therapist. I recommend therapy, um, especially cognitive, behavioral, or emotionally focused. So something beyond talk therapy is really important for PTS. So, you know, with with Tom and I, we got homework every week. And sometimes it was don't talk about that again until you're back in this office. So finding that trusted therapist is going to help you move quicker and, and further along. You saying about raising your hand is the most important thing I think you said this whole time. Because wives, what's interesting is wives and I should say spouses, they're not in the battlefront. They don't see it. So they're taking a step back saying, listen, he's experienced, she's experienced on this. I just have to live with it. Right. And, And they don't have most people have no understand that it's transferring. It's just bleeding all over them. And they're just, they're just dripping blood all all over the place. Try trying to just, there's a wound that needs to be filled, but it's because I'm not in the first line of defense that I can't have it either. And so we need to break that right away and let people understand that that's not how it works. You are also needing to raise your hand. So absolutely. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let me ask if it was interesting is I thought I knew a lot about PTSD, honestly. Like when I told you, when I reached out to you, my, yeah. my focus is addiction. I love talking about addiction. I know Tom struggled with some addiction with opioids, et cetera. That's my love. And I also see that addiction and PTSD go hand in hand. I'm going to throw this out there. If you need help with PTSD, I feel like they need to reach out to you and Tom. You guys have an, an amazing system. I love what you guys are doing. And so can you tell the listeners how to get a hold of you guys? Yes. How do we, how do they get a hold of us? Call her directly. Her personal cell number (laughs) is, we're on the phone all day and all night. Allsecurefoundation.org. There's buttons on there for anything you need. You need resources. You want to donate. You need help. There's an info tab that goes directly to Jen and I that, you know, we, we don't farm much out any help. We don't farm out unless it goes straight to our therapist and counselor, but we look through everything first. And then it goes straight to who it needs, and we we respond. Um, yeah, and we're and, not a nine one one spot, so don't call yeah. us if you're having issues. That's nine one one. That's yes. crisis hotline. We are. We typically try to answer all the time, but we're not nine one one. We're not that emergency thing because we we're helping so many people. You're probably going to wait before we respond anyway. So we're more of a hey, I need help. I'm ready to start kind of thing, or you know, I'm having heavy breathing today, but you might not get us right away. So allsecurefoundation.org. We're on uh, Twitter at allsecurevets. We're on so, Facebook and Instagram as well as is All Secure Foundation. So. I'm going to push your books too. So Jen's is Arsenal of Hope. I recommend you can get it on everywhere. Uh, amazing information. I was telling your wife, I really thought I knew a lot about PTSD until I talked with you guys on the phone and, and back and forth. So I'm proud to push my my listeners 
feel like they're really struggling with PTSD um, towards your foundation because I really think you have something going on. Number one, thank you for the service to our country and for what you guys are doing to to the first responders, to the veterans, to the men and women who who need the help. And so I thank you for that. Is there anything else that you could share with us that we could take with us as a, a point of uh, no return from you two? For me, it would be two different things that I've that's new for me. Smile and say something nice. It works for both people most times, <laughs> right? And then two, remain curious and less judgmental. And just think about that. Be more curious and less judgmental. And then let that soak in. And that was like would, off the top rope. I would say that it's a sign of strength to ask for help. It truly is. And you're only going to get better from there. And so, you know, for someone who's right at the edge and they've been teetering, please take that step. Take it today. Don't wait for next week or next month or for this or that to happen. Take that step today. Um, you're going to go to bed much happier tonight when you just release that 10,000 pound. Guaranteed. Yes. Yes. That's a promise. Wait off the back um, with that very first step and then do it with somebody you trust. Reach out to us, to you, to, to somebody that can help you in this process. Having a battle buddy is also a really good thing in this fight. Thank you guys for the time. I, I appreciate it. I've been, we've been well fed. Thank you. Thank so, you. You've been listening to Chase the Vase Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcast to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more information, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or visit our website, chasethevase.com. Until next time, keep chasing the vase.